I was, uh, truth is, I was watching Deborah the whole time to see if she was laughing or if she was mad at me. Uh, so, Chris, that's not a real one. That's mock-up. If you were looking for when it airs later tonight, no, it's not. It doesn't air later today. So, yeah. Yeah. Man, it is amazing how much people love those movies, right? Um, now, uh, truth be told, I watched one last night. So, no, I'm serious. You don't believe me dude, that I sat down and watched a Hallmark movie last night. Any of you watch Hallmark Channel last night? Yeah. Christmas reunion, right? Am I, I right? I'm tracking. Same type of thing. She went back for a class reunion, right? I mean, listen, I watched that, I watched that show hard last night. Um, yeah. I got, easily got 15 minutes in on that last night. It was, it was great. Oh. What is it, though, like about movies? I mean, you know what's going to happen. That's a funny little thing we watch, but it's legit, right? It's real. And you could say the same thing, uh, those who love the Hallmark of us, you know, of us action movie uh, lovers as well. You know, it's the same movie on those two, right? Different, different settings. We get it. What is it about these stories, like these Hallmark stories? Um, I'm going to tell you, uh, I'll be very vulnerable. One year, I sat down and um, I started the Love Comes Softly series. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, don't judge me. So I watched them all. So I watched through every one. I saw every husband die, um, and love was still found. Uh, what is it about these movies, though? What draws us to this? Well, you know what it is. It's a love story. Like, I mean, we love a love story, do we not? Like every, every so often, somebody might ask you this question. Maybe you're having dinner somewhere. Somebody asks you, how did you two get together? Right? And you share the story. Is that all you say? You just say love? Yeah. Yeah, and you share the story of how you got together. And usually, the story is a whole lot more interesting to you, probably, than the person who's it. Because, well, I mean, we love love stories. You love your love story. We love all of that. There was a survey done in Times Square, right around Christmas time. They just walked around and asked people. Uh, uh, there wasn't actually a question. It was a finish this statement. Here's what the statement was. If all else fails, I just want blank. You know what it is? Yeah. Love or to be loved. I just want to be loved. If all else fails, listen, if I don't have anything else in life, no job, home, whatever, I want love. And guess what? That's true. That's reality. That's what we long for. We long to love someone. We long to be loved back. In fact, we do incredible amounts of things. We make decisions. Some are very good. Some of them are our best decisions. Some of them like are dumb decisions. Sometimes it's even destructive decisions we do in the name of love because we're longing to be loved and we want to love as well. Do you know why this is? God designed us to love. Like, I mean, it's embedded in us, this, this, this need, this drive, this urgency sometimes to love and to be loved as well. I mean, when you're young, you, you can see this in kids. Very young, on their level, you can see this. Certainly for us parents who have had uh, preteens, you start to really see this, Right? And it goes on and on. We desire this. And so this morning, I wanted to put it in context that we would understand that this story we study at Christmas time, that we look at, when we throw out these words of hope and peace and joy and love, that we have to understand that this whole thing we call Christmas 
is a love story. That's what it's all about. It's this love story of God saying, I love you, and this is what I'm willing to do for love. This is what I want to do. In fact, the story of Christmas is the beginning of the story of God's redemptive love. To draw us back to him, that we might be near him and be in relationship with him. It starts out with this thing we call Christmas, where God says, I will send down my son. It's actually God incarnate, God in human form for you. That's what I'm going to do. In fact, you know the verse, right? John 3, 16. You remember this verse? Let me read it for you. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now listen, we look at that, that's an evangelistic verse, right? We say, I got to tell people this verse so that they won't perish and they'll have eternal life. And certainly that's true. We say often, if that's not you today, if you've never made a decision to follow God, to live eternity with God, we want to talk about that with you. We want to offer that invitation. But don't miss in this verse that the drawing of the whole verse, the compulsion of God in this verse is this concept that he loves you. He loves you dearly. Like what you're striving for in life when you're looking for it, sometimes in relationships and friendships, all this, that there is this God who the very nature of who he is compels him to look at you and say, I love you dearly and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. For you to understand that and for us to have good, right relationship. And so he sent his son. That's what we celebrate. So if you're willing to strip away all the, the gifts and the trees and all of this type of stuff, and you're able to look at this Christmas story, it is so much more powerful. It's so much deeper if we land on that concept of God's love offered through us with his very self coming to earth. It's a powerful love story. I'm not sure I've seen that story exactly in the Hallmark movies I've watched, but then again, Deborah, it's only been a couple, so maybe it's out there. But the pages of Scripture tell this story loud and clear. Loud and clear. In fact, so much so that the defining quality of being a follower of Jesus, the defining quality of somebody who says, I'm a Christian, or I'm a believer in God, I'm a follower of God's word, the defining quality is love. It was just read to you. Let me share with you again. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from where? God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Listen, anyone who understands love in the way that God has offered love or defined love, then you know God. But if we don't, sometimes we say, I, I don't want the kind of love that God offers, and we seek our own kind of love in other places, we can't really know God. So let's just talk about this love. If you take a look at your sermon notes this morning, I just want to share with you a couple things about this thing called love. How do we learn about it? How do we get it? What do we do with it when we have love as well? Let's take a look at this. First thing we want to know is this. Jesus is how we can know God's love. That's it. I mean, listen, I understand what I just said. 
I said, Jesus is how he knows God love. 90% of us are like, hey, I understand that. I know that. I've been in church long enough. That's a cliche, um, and I'm good. Let's go on to the second point, right? But process for a moment. The only way we're going to really say, I want to love like God, I want how I care for people and how I love people, my spouse, my friends, my family, the total stranger I meet, I want that to be God's love. There's no way for me to understand and know that unless I know Jesus. And when I say I know Jesus, I don't mean I said a prayer one time to say, Jesus, come into my life, be the Lord and Savior. I mean that I know Jesus. I'm in a regular relationship where I go to Jesus, I learn about Jesus. What did he do? What was he about? I want to be about that. How was he empowered to do that? I want to be empowered that way. I want to be like Jesus. So we know this when we know Jesus. Jesus actually said one time, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and you've seen him. What is Jesus basically saying? Look, if you know me, you know the Father. There doesn't have to be any question and mystery about it. If you want to know God, then know Jesus. I told you a few weeks ago, one of the, 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 the top three searches in life is for people to feel like they're at peace with God or the question of the eternity. If we want to know God, we know Jesus. That's what Jesus is declaring here. Now, um, you might have followed this. I'm sure you all followed this, actually, um, because I've shared with you a little bit of my love for Dale Murphy. Uh, he was up for the Hall of Fame last week, right? You followed this story, right? Yeah, right? Right? You liars, bunch of liars. You didn't. Well, he didn't get in. Didn't get enough votes to get in, right? Yeah, I cried all night. It was rough. It's a tired night. None of you called and checked in on me at all, so I'm a little bitter. So yeah, I didn't answer. My bad, my bad. Thank you. I thank you. You're my favorite at this church. Oh. Listen, if you want to get in a debate, and I know you don't, but appease me for a second. If you want to get in a debate on why I think Dale Murphy's a Hall of Famer, I mean, I can rattle off. We can start in 1976 and just move forward. And we can hit the stats. We can hit, the, we can hit it all. I know already you're like, too late. Let's move on. No, but we could do all that, right? But here's the thing. I don't really know Dale Murphy. That, that's the truth. I, I know a bunch about him. I could tell you all about him. But I don't know him. I can even tell you about his family, how many kids, you know, about what they're doing. But I don't, <laughs> I don't know what his kids are doing in life. I'm sorry how that sounded. That might have been going a little too far in my knowledge. <laughs> so a little unhealthy. No, but I don't really know him. My wife with me, with me one time. We waited an hour-long line. I got 30 seconds in front of him for him to sign a poster and go, oh, look at those sneakers. I remember those. And we were ushered along, right? So the next person in line, I don't know him. Listen, for some of us, we say, I know Jesus. And you know a lot about Jesus. You've been around this church world a bunch. But you don't wake up in the morning and draw to Jesus. Opening up his word and say, who are you, Jesus? What do you want to speak to my heart today on what is it you want to transform in me? I know you have something for me. What about that passage where you say, I want to give you life and life to the full. I'm here with you, Jesus. I want to receive that from you. I want to do the hard stuff you're asking me to do, Jesus, to be the person you've designed me to be. That's knowing Jesus. And in that, guess what we do? We learn God. We learn his love. We learn about him. In fact, 
I said it this way. Our salvation is the avenue to knowing God's love. Our salvation. But let me explain. I don't just mean our salvation saved me from hell so that I can live in heaven one day. What I mean is our salvation draw me out of my selfishness. Draw me out of my desire to put you out, God, and do things my own way. Save me from that, that I might have the life of who you are and what you're about. That's what I'm talking about in salvation. And our salvation is the avenue for knowing God's love. Letting him draw me and save me from my selfishness of rejecting God and going my own way. And let me see Jesus' face daily. In fact, it's saving us from this lifeless way to give us life that we define during this Christmas time with words like peace and hope and joy and love. That's what his love's about. Here's the second thing. Our ability to love is enabled by God's love. Like, it's not just that this thing of God's love is a formula where I just say step one, step two, step three. If I do those things, then it it all kind of magically works and works well. Our love is actually enabled by God's love. There is something transformative about God's love. There's something transformative about being with God where he actually starts to work in me and he starts to change my heart. He starts to make me something different. I see things different. I think something different. I look at somebody and eh, maybe it's somebody like, man, up till now they have annoyed me. (laughs) But something God's transforming in me says, why don't you love that person? Care for that person. Why don't you treat that person the way you might treat somebody you really like? What does that look like? That is actually enabled, even on a supernatural level, empowered by God. We call that the Holy Spirit. But it's enabled by God's love. We know it in commandment form. This is what we know it in. Take a look at John 13, and this is significant for us to follow. But this is how we know it. So so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I loved you. You should love each other. You, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. And sometimes we read a verse like that and we go like, this is my commandment. Love one another. And you're like, oh, okay. He told me I have to do it. I got to do it, I guess. I love him. I love all you people here at the church. You know, you got to love me. Tough. You know? That's how we think about it. But in reality, what God wants to do, he wants to commune with me. He wants to transform my heart. I used to have this friend named Brian. Um, used to. We're still friends, but we used to be in proximity. And I remember anytime somebody went to him and said, because we, we were all of the age where um, we're all announcing pregnancies. There's like somebody new every week. And anytime somebody said, you know, hey, we're pregnant, like this joy Brian would have, just like you know, he just welled out and he'd hug him. And I mean, it almost looked over the top kind of thing. And before long, I actually realized, man, he really feels this. Like, he's really energized and excited about this young couple being pregnant. God does things like that for us. He transforms our heart to we find maybe the joy, but we call it love. We find a way to love others and care for others and rejoice with others, not just the people we like, right? That is enabled by God. If you don't have that and you want that, that is enabled by God. You might be one that says, I'm a Christian. I come to church 
and you don't have this. It's enabled by God. He wants to offer this and give this to you as well. And he does this when we would commune and be close to him. It's also helping us know how to receive love sometimes and recognize love. So this third thing would be, what do we do with this ability to love? Like, what's the action look like? If God wants to enable me and empower me in my time with Christ, what is it he wants me to do with it? I want you to ask this question. I've actually asked you for about three years now to consider this questions. And so it won't be a new question, but I want to remind you, the question is this, what does love require of me? What does love require? Love will require some easy things. Love will require some hard things. What does love require of me? When I commune with Jesus, as we said in the first thing, when I understand that God wants to enable me and transform me into his love, what is it that's required? What does it look like? Well, the answer is found in the one another. The one another. You know what that means? It's the love one another. What does that look like? Well, if we were to walk through scripture, let me just give you a few one another's. And maybe if you're tracking with your notes and you've got a pen, maybe you might need to circle one of these or just put a little star, one that resonates closest more, the one that challenges you the most. Or maybe they all do. Here's, here they are. Submit to one another. Mm. Submit to one another. Do you hierarchy things? Like, do you get with people and size them up right away and you're like, okay, yeah, I, okay, in this relationship, I'm here, they're here. Or is there these opportunities to submit before each other? To submit, to say, you know, like, hey, this is, this is your gig. I'm following you. Tell me what to do or whatever the case may be. How about to forgive one another? Christians are, are good at this and sometimes not good at this. To forgive. That I love you when I forgive you, I'm loving you. I'm showing you love when I offer forgiveness to you. To encourage one another. We often encourage people we like, people we're close to, people we're in decent relationship with. But you know, everybody needs encouragement. And this love of God encourages you, even at times where you have rejected God and chose to go your own way, the love of God is sought to encourage you, to help you, to be grace to you. You know how I know this? Because at the very beginning, Adam and Eve blew it, right? The one thing God asked them not to do, they did. They rejected him in that way. Punishment was going to come in. First of all, they realized they were naked. And then they were going to get put out of the garden. You remember this, this kind of punishment. Do you know what God did right in the middle of all that? He killed an animal. He made clothes for them. He gave them clothes to wear. Right in the middle of all of this, God offered love and grace and walking with them in that. So encouraging encourage one another and walking with them. How about to restore one another? Sometimes people blow it, right? And you say, hey, you're forgiven. But to be restored back into right relationship with you or to be restored, that's so significant as well. Does the love of God not restore us? Yeah. He could say, man, I, I, you're forgiven, but I don't have anything to do with you. But to restore us, accept one another to receive each other in. You know how the world works, don't you? You accept the people you like or the, the ones that are easy, 
and you reject the other ones, right? It's just how it goes. But that's not how the love of God works. To care for one another, that goes a long way. Some of you are caring for somebody right now. They need your care, and you're willing to reach out and care. It takes your time. It takes your energy. Sometimes it takes your money, right? But you're doing it. You're caring for somebody because you know that's what the love of God is asking you to do, to bear with one another. Now, I, that's probably a general category, but I get this picture to bear with one another that, you, that there's these times where you're, like, you're just there with one another. You know, like bearing, just, you're just there, they, they may need you, they may not, but you just say, look, I'm here for you. Whatever you need, I'm here. Carry one another's burdens. That you actually lift that picture to say, I will carry this along with you, or even for you, to walk with you. And guess what? There's 27 other one another's that show up in there. This is how we start to learn how to love like God. Sometimes love asks us to do hard things. Sometimes love asks us to talk direct to somebody or to step away from somebody. Sometimes love directs us. But the love of God, if we're close to Jesus, we're letting it enable us, it almost always comes around eventually to these one another's. And that's how we're called to love. Galatians 5, 6 says this, For when we place our love in Christ Jesus, there's no benefit for being circumcised or uncircumcised. That was kind of like a, a Jew and Gentile thing that was going on in, in the New Testament. So being a Jewish or being a Gentile at the time or following the religious laws or not, not the significant thing. What is important, and it's the same for us today, is expressing is faith expressing itself in love. That my faith in Jesus Christ is expressing itself in actual love. The worst thing going out there is somebody who says they're a faith or a Christian and no love is being expressed. In fact, you might think the opposite is being expressed. It's a terrible witness and it's just bitterness. And I would question at times if we're really talking about faith or Christianity. But when we allow our faith to be expressed in love, the way we just talked about, be with Jesus. Let God empower us and transform us and then carry out the actions of the one another. That is faith expressing itself in love. We long for that, don't we? We're begging for that. We want somebody to love us that way. And God is sitting there telling us as Christians to go love others that way. Go love them all that way. So here's a couple takeaways, and these are going to be blunt. They're going to sound like cliches. They're not going to be anything new that you haven't heard many times before, but it doesn't change their impact and power. First one's this, get to know Jesus. Just get to know him. If you don't identify your relationship with him as personal, I know you as a Christian need to say, I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But if you really stopped and said, I want to identify, is that how my relationship really is with Jesus? Then get to know Jesus. It might start with just like getting up in the morning, 15 minutes, same place, same time, same chair, same location, and just open up. Maybe start with the book of Mark. It's all about Jesus. And just read. Write down a few notes. Maybe look at a, a, a gospel, the book of Mark, the book of Matthew, the book of Luke or John. Maybe look at it and as you're reading it, instead of just saying, I'm reading about Jesus, look at it and say, I'm actually reading a gospel 
that I'm going to read in the context of it's written directly to me to tell me about Jesus. And then there's a lot of context that they're written in. What if you said, what is my context now that I'm hearing this? And how do I carry out this scripture? So get to know Jesus, spending time. Here's the second one. Just do what Jesus did. It's that simple. What did he do? Just go do it. Just go do what he did. Whatever it is, go do it. Will it be foreign to start? Probably. Love your enemies? I mean, come on. That's foreign. Just start doing it. And see if God doesn't, in the middle of it, transform us. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you this morning in this area. I also recognize in the area of love, it's probably the area that causes us the greatest pain in our life. When we've offered love, and it hasn't been offered back, or when it's offered back and then we were stung and hurt by it, sometimes in hard and vicious ways. And it's hard sometimes for us to understand and decipher. If that's you this morning, I want to remind you of what we said at the beginning. Your heavenly father loves you deeply. And he wants to draw you close to him. He wants to offer you his grace and peace during this season of hardship when it comes to love or relationship. But he wants to bring you along, and at one day, he'll bring you out of this so that you understand how to love and what that looks like. So let me pray for you, and maybe there's just something you're going through that you want to offer your own time of prayer. Please do as, we're, as I'm praying. The Lord can hear us all. Father, we thank you just for your love. Lord, it's the core. It's a foundation your passage tells us that was read already, we love because you first loved us. We know how to love because you first loved us. So Lord, would you draw us near to you that we would spend time with you to know you each day? Would you then enable us and transform us within that we would start to see your ways and know your ways, live those out as a passion and a joy? Lord, would we practically look at all the one another's and we'd say today, Lord, that's how I want to carry out love for someone else. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen.